The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and it is my great honor today on the fourth week of Advent to share with you uh, from one of my favorite places in the world. I'm in Argentina, and I'm gonna tell you some stories about the very first water wells that we're gonna be able to participate in with our friends La Misión in Buenos Aires. Um, we are now just hours away from Christmas Eve. Uh, it means we're getting very close to La Mañana de Navidad, Christmas morning. We're gonna to gather together with our families. It's a time we've been waiting and anticipating. And our hearts and our attention will be focused on a story from history that happened in a little town called Bethlehem. It's in this place that we believe that a savior was born to bring peace and hope to all people in all times and in all places. And so it's painful to tell that story knowing that in Bethlehem itself today, it's a divided town. It's in a divided country, it's in a divided world. In fact, in Bethlehem, it's so divided that it's literally divided by a massive wall. There are places in Bethlehem, it's not a place of peace at this point. In fact, many of you know if I take you to the Holy Land, in the early years, I took people to Bethlehem. Uh, we have seven days, we can't see it all, and I'll just tell you, going to Bethlehem is often painful. There's some great Banksy art on some of those walls, but going to a place where Jesus was born to bring freedom to all people and hope and a savior in a place that's divided, um, where literally on one side of the wall you can get access to public water and on the other you can't. People that are living in extreme poverty and pain and a desperation. And the reality is Bethlehem is not the only place that's divided. Our world is divided. It's divided by politics. Uh, it's become a difficult year. But the greatest divide left in our world is the divide between the haves and the have-nots, the people that have all they need and much more, and the people that don't have the very basic necessities. Our journey of Advent starts with worship. We talk about spending less so we can give more. And last year, when you began to love all, I wanna report back to you about some of the water wells that you drilled in Zambia this past year. When you hear this story, it's gonna remind you that this was the best gift that you gave last year. Some of you got some other gifts, you don't even remember what they are. Maybe you gave somebody a gift of a tie that they totally don't wear and you know they don't wear it. But when you gave this gift last year, I want you to see what happened when you worship Jesus by giving to the least of these and those that he loved. to go to the river to fetch water. There are animals that is, sometimes there are even snakes in the water, crocodiles, hippos. 
People in this community, they go there to wash. Some of them, they defecate, and that makes the water unsafe. Okay, when we go there, we can't be free to fetch water, because we fear that maybe if I do this and this, it would kill me. My name is Sherin Paspanodia. I'm 18 years of age, and I come from Zambia. Lessons start at 6.30, and you'd find that maybe wake up at 0.05 to go there and fetch water. And it would take us maybe half an hour to go there and fetch water. And we'd be late, we'd be late for classes, so it was a challenge. It is a big challenge whereby a child gets tired, from the river to the dormitory getting a bucket and it takes a bath. You find coming to class, they'll be coming late. Others 30 minutes, others almost 40 minutes. You find one lesson has already passed, that's when a child is coming to class, meaning that they are losing out to whatever they're supposed to acquire on that particular day. The difference is there. I think most of the learners, they come as early as 60, 40, everyone is here because the water is now near. It has really not helped only the pupils, even the communities. We have the nearby community people here, they come to draw water here. And this water is safe compared to the water we are taking from the river. When I finish my education, I want to become a lawyer. If possible, I find money, I go to the university, then I study law. I want to become a lawyer because I need to defend the poor. There, there are issues of corruption in our country. I want to stand on justice. That's what I want. So, Ecclesia, isn't it a beautiful thing that we got to give such a gift in Zambia? And the reality is, as we worship again this year, that though we brought clean water to people that needed it in Zambia, the same is still true a whole world away, entirely different continent today in Argentina. But in the province of Chaco, among the native peoples of Argentina, there is great need for clean water. Very similar situation. The people there are drinking water from rivers and streams, same places that animals go to graze places where waste is often washed into the water and people are desperately sick. I'm thrilled that the first well that we get to drill in Argentina is in honor of the mother of our dear friend, Marcelo Robles. Azucena Robles has been a matriarch around our church as well. She's loved me well and encouraged me. Her husband, Miguel, was a faithful pastor here in Argentina. Uh, Azucena has been with us. She's prayed for us. She's prayed for our church so often. and. Um, 
the very first water well we get to drill here for people that desperately need it is in an area called Chaco where uh, when Marcelo was a young boy after his father had been imprisoned uh, because many pastors were being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Um, they tried to find a place where they could have some freedom for a time and escape persecution, and they ended up in this region. In fact, these very native people looked after his family. They fed them, they cared for them. And so isn't it beautiful that in her honor, we get to join with La Misión and Marcelo uh, and their church here in Buenos Aires and together drill water wells across this region to people that desperately need clean water. We believe, Ecclesia, this is what it means to love all, to be a people that say, God's love requires us to break down the walls of Bethlehem, to break down the walls between the haves and the have-nots, and to be a people that share generously. John explains this in his epistle, in 1 John chapter 3, which is where we're gonna to look today. I think if you're asking a question like, what, what is love? And many of you are so rooted in pop culture, when I said, what is love? You instantly heard in your mind, you didn't say it aloud, hopefully, baby, don't hurt me. Wouldn't it be amazing if the scripture were rooted in you in the way that songs and pop culture is rooted in us? If you wanna know what love is, I wanna encourage you, um, read John's epistles. It's like a beautiful portrait that by the end of it, you can stand back and you look at it and you look at it and go, if that's what love looks like, is that what my life looks like? And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, we know what true love looks like because of Jesus. He gave his life for us and he calls us to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. He literally just says, if you're a person that loves, if you look at Jesus, that's what love looks like. What does Jesus do? He gives all that he has, gives his very life. And that means we at least get to share what we've been given. One of my favorite projects that you got to complete this year, it's been a four-year project, Ecclesia, is in Uganda. Uh, it's for the Africa Children's Choir. They've been with us almost every year. We're, they're gonna be back next year. We love them. These kids can sing, they're beautiful. They've got a secondary school and, and now they've they built this amazing high school and it needed water. It needed two boreholes. It needed showers and hand washing stations and kitchens and water tanks. And you know what? Over four years, you've devoted this year $60,000 of our Advent offering will go to complete this project, a $240,000 project. And Ecclesia, that's what love looks like. These kids are so grateful for your generosity and your worship. John goes on, and this is what he says. He says, if a person owns the kind of things we need to make it in the world, but refuses to share with those in need, is it even possible that God's love lives in him? He says, literally, if God's love's in you, you're just gonna share. He says, my little children, don't just talk about love as an idea or a theory. Make it your true way of life and live in the pattern of gracious love. There is a sure way for us to know that we belong to the truth. Even though our inner thoughts may condemn us with storms of guilt and constant reminders of our failures, you are likely like every other person in this room, every other person in our church, every other person in Houston and across the globe. Your failures, you have them, I have them. They, they tend to taunt us. They, uh, they hang around and we focus on them. And John says, hey, listen, you've got to let those things go. Those storms of guilt, they need to pass over you. And these constant reminders of your own failures. Whoever you are today, I want to pray for you that Christmas would free you from that. You can't love when you live in that place. 
He says, we can know in our hearts that in his presence, God himself is greater than any accusation. I was recently with a brother who feels some deep and profound guilt. Our brother Melchizedek is a faithful, faithful pastor and an employee of Living Water International in Rwanda. Of all, I, I love our Living Water employees, but I gotta tell you, if I had to pick my favorite Living Water employee to hear preach, it's Melchizedek. He's got this amazing face. He's, he kind of looks like Seal to me. I don't know what it is. He's just captivating to look at. And Melchizedek has just got an energy. When he goes into a community, I've heard him start to tell a story from the Word of God, and he'll tell the people, would you like to hear a true story from the Word of God? And they'll start saying, Melchizedek's gonna tell us a story about Jesus, and people would just start gathering, throngs of people. Melchizedek was on his way back from serving and drilling water wells in Rwanda, and on a busy road, a biker was on the edge of that road and leaned in towards the vehicle and the vehicle was struck. Melchizedek was driving. And this particular person on a bike um, sadly passed away. Uh, it was an awful accident and um, such a dangerous, dangerous place. And Melchizedek was broken in sorrow for what had happened. Um, and then he was arrested by the Rwandan government. And, um, and Melchizedek was put in jail for a very long time. And he has great sorrow over this accident, but this is a brother who's very, very faithful. I prayed every day, I invited you to pray for Melchizedek while he was in prison. The only thing that encouraged me about Melchizedek being in prison was that as he faced his sorrow over this awful accident, I knew he would be ministering to and caring for the people in that prison. I want you to hear just a few words from Melchizedek of what it was like to be, the conditions were awful but the conditions weren't what matters most as Melchizedek loved and cared for the people that he was in prison with in Rwanda. So that night I was like, what? I mean, how is this going to go? What is happening, Lord? But the Lord said, stay calm. I am with you. Even when you don't feel it, know that I am with you. Be confident and speak for me and I will speak through you. So I was there that night, I prayed and everybody was like, oh, this looks like a pastor. So pray for us. So I prayed and I preached and everybody in the cell was crying. I said, where have you been? God is sending you now to us. So there was a great excitement and I led them to pray of repentance. I, I discipled these guys for about one week. I really f felt you know, so much love for them. I would see them uh, you know, as real people who need the hand of God, who are really seeking for help that they cannot get anywhere else. So they were very happy for me. They were telling me, God sent you here. We know God's going to release you, but we needed you here in this cell. I had really a great interaction with them. And I always encouraged myself by studying the word of God. And I believe through the prayers of the people of God, God moved through many other people. Because when people pray, God uses people to do certain things. I was released and uh, there was a lot of joy. I was so shocked that even in difficult circumstances, God can use us. To serve God does not mean we can't have problems. We can't have challenges. Paul said that when he was in calves, the gospel was not bound. They may have bound him, but they did not bind the gospel. The gospel must continue to be preached. And that has given me a lot of assurance that God is able to do great things even amidst challenges. Thank you very much. God bless. Hallelujah.
So, Excellency, I'm thrilled that Melchizedek uh, was released and that justice was done. I was scared if he was in there, we were going to have to find a way to come bribe a Rwandan official and get him out of jail. We did not want to leave that man in jail. God has a calling on his life, and I'm so grateful uh, that he's back with his family and he's serving faithfully uh, in the church. John goes on and he says this. He says, my loved ones, if our hearts cannot condemn us, then we can stand with confidence before God. Whatever we may ask, we receive it from him because we follow his commands and take the path that pleases him. That's the journey we wanna take. He says, his command is clear. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus the anointed, and love one another as he commanded. And who did he command us to love? To love all. I wanna leave you with a couple of thoughts. One is that for us as a people at Ecclesia, we want to be a people that love all. And that means we don't just love our brothers and sisters in the Chaco province of Argentina. We gotta love our neighbors close by. We're doing a few new things during this Advent to share that love. One of them happened this week. We brought over uh, all of the families from HISD that are homeless, and there are thousands upon thousands of them. We invited them over to Ecclesia. We were able to give them winter coats for their kids and some things they desperately need. Some of those folks are staying with families, sometimes in motels, some are on the streets. And we were able to give each of them a $100 HEB gift card and provide clothes and basic necessities. I hope it becomes an Advent tradition for us. We were also able this year to partner at the end of the year because God's blessed us and you've been faithful to give to Ecclesia throughout the year. We were able to partner with a nonprofit in New York called Rest in Peace Medical Debt. As we've walked with our sister Elizabeth through cancer, one of the things we've been reminded is that many people in fact, many pastors, many Christians, often when they have a medical issue, it causes extreme financial crisis for them. 3% of people who get cancer ultimately have to file for bankruptcy in the United States. And you know what you did this year, Ecclesia? We pooled our money together so that we can pay off $1.5 million of medical debt for Houstonians. There's just gonna be a bunch of Houstonians that over the coming weeks are gonna get a letter in the mail. It's gonna be a yellow envelope and it's gonna tell them, this church, Ecclesia, apparently they love Jesus and they think you're supposed to love all people and they paid off your medical debt. It's done. So what else does it look like, Ecclesia, to love all people? Well, John explains it this way. He says, the one who follows his teaching and walks in this path lives in an intimate relationship with God. How do we know that he lives in us? By the gift of his spirit. What do the scriptures tell us about the gift of his spirit? It tells us that the people that live in his spirit demonstrate the fruit of the spirit. And if we're gonna love all people, Ecclesia, I wanna encourage you, we're not just gonna love strangers with medical debt. Sometimes they're easy to love because we don't have to share a bathroom with them. But the reality is, it's the people you gotta share a bathroom with. It's the people that you gotta share a car with. It's the people that you live with, that you cook for and they don't say thank you, and that you clean up for and they don't say thank you. It's those people that can sometimes be harder to love. In Galatians, we hear what it looks like for the spirit to be at work in you. Ecclesia, would you just imagine what it would look like for you to love maybe the most difficult member of your family unconditionally over these holidays? Joy. Would you allow yourself to slow down and experience the true joy of Christ as we celebrate Christmas? Peace. Literally, God's shalom, his wholeness. Patience. Waiting for things to be made right. Kind-heartedness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and my least favorite of all at the holidays, self-control. I wanna pray for you as we come to communion. We're moving into a time that we're gonna be with family, we're gonna be with one another for Christmas Eve. We're gonna demonstrate God's love, and over this 
uh, time of communion, we're gonna come bring our final, over Christmas Eve and in this service, our final Advent offerings that we're gonna use to drill these water wells in Chaco and in so many other places as we partner with our friends, Living Water International. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for Ecclesia. I thank you that you've called us to be the kind of church that knows that we're called to love all people and that even in a world that's divided, even though places like Bethlehem where you were born continue to be divided, God, we wanna be a people that share and love generously. Call us into this story. Help us to live it well. Help us to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Uh, as we get ready for communion, I just wanna share a few stories that I think help us, um, help, help shed some light on the projects we're gonna be taking in this year and help us understand the part we get to play. Um, I remember it was about nine years ago. I was new on staff. And back in those days when I was working here at Ecclesia, it meant that pretty much everybody had multiple roles. So like I was uh, what was called a community pastor. I would connect with people on Sundays and the weekends and just help them find small groups or uh, different things where they could connect and serve. But my job during the week was to manage the venue and the space. So anybody that wanted to do an event or, hey, we want to bring in this artist or we want to bring in this, uh, this band or something, like that was my job. I had to set all that up, weddings, all of it. And I remember uh, two guys who were small group leaders in Pasadena called me up and said, hey, we've got an idea. Can we meet with you? I was like, yeah, man, come on, let's go. So we sit down and they unpack this idea. It was Kevin T. and Mike Myers and they had this idea for an event that they wanted to host in December. And they said, hey, we've been working with our small group and praying about what this looks like for us to love all and what it looks like for us to give more. And we love really good wine. We love going to events where we can taste it. What if we threw a wine tasting event at Ecclesia? We'll do the whole thing. Uh, we'll organize it. If you can just help us invite people and let us know, uh, and I was like, Kevin, Mike, this is a great idea. Run with it, go. Uh, you can, if you saw the, uh, the tickets, you could tell that I made the logo because it's awful. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was just so much fun to watch this little small group come together and throw an event that was just so fun. And I can't remember how much money we, we raised that night uh, for Advent Conspiracy, but uh, you fast forward nine years later and we hosted this event for, the, the event for the ninth time at our location at 1100 Elder. And we set a record that night last Friday and raised over $100,000 in that night alone for Advent Conspiracy. And I just love it because you, you see two people who just said, hey, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of resources, but I got an idea, right? And you can just see what happens and what grows with that. And Ecclesia, when I look out, I see a whole community of people that you've got ideas and you've got people that you're connected with. And it's amazing, it's beautiful when we come together and we figure out what does it look like for us to love all. But what I can tell you too is that these communities that we partner with, these people that we um, have relationships with, they're very much like us. And they have that kind of mentality of what can we, what do we have and how do we multiply it? So about nine years ago as well, I was uh, brand new on staff. I was sitting up in the office and in those days, um, it was my first summer on staff. That summer, my car did not have air conditioning. And so like, if you've ever done a summer in Houston, it's awful. If you have a car that doesn't have air conditioning, it's even worse. 
Um, so what you need to know is that I would get to work very early because <laughs> it was still kind of dark, kind of cool, like with the windows down, it was bearable, or I would ride my bike and there was a shower at, at the office so I could get a shower and then get on with my work. So I was always in there by myself uh, early in the morning just working on stuff. And I remember this one morning, Chris walked in earlier than normal. And if you guys know Chris, you can always see there's like ideas just formulating, turning in his head. And he's got his phone and he's, and I can see he's working on something. All of a sudden he just stops right before he gets to his office. Pure, turns to his right, looks at me and says, hey, you want to go to Argentina this weekend? And like in my soul, everything inside of me was like, is ice cold? Yes, I want to go to Argentina this weekend. Uh, but what came out was, let me check with my wife on that. So um, I, I said, oh, he said, okay, just let me know. So I get off the phone and I'm like calling Emily, like, whatever you're doing, stop. Like, hey, uh, what do we need to do for me to get to go to Argentina this weekend? Like, I was so excited about it. So uh, fast forward, I got to go to Argentina. And the reason we went to Argentina was we were beginning this partnership and this relationship with La Misión uh, and uh, Marcelo and his, his mom that, that Chris talked about. And what they were doing is they were working with folks in the slums. Uh, they had pastors and people that lived in those slums. And Argentina is known for its beef, so they had a lot of uh, gr really high-quality leather. Uh, and what Marcelo was doing was teaching the pastors and the people in the slums how to use the leather to make goods, to make all kinds of different uh, crafts and things. And we had this project where we were doing a translation of the Bible called The Voice. And we were like, well, hey, what if we got covers for the Bibles? So we basically said, hey, we'll give you a project to go work on. We'll buy the leather covers from you. Uh, if, you if you see, like, this Bible is one of those covers. And if you notice every week whenever the person gets up to do the benediction, they've got the little thing in their hand. That's one of those covers. Um, it was so funny coming back with all those cover, covers in customs. And the guy in customs is like, why do you have 4,000 leather covers in your suitcase? Uh, you know, and just explaining what we're going to do, he just, he couldn't get there. He's like, I don't, you, you sound crazy. But um, when we were there and just telling the story and just trying to help the community understand, we got to go have a meal with Azucita and Marcelo. And I can't be more excited that the well is going to have her name on it. Because she is just a treasure, just a gift of a human being. I mean, picture your grandma and then however nice and sweet she is, multiply it by 10, and that's about the way that Azucita is. You know, whenever we would sit down and dinner, they would always translate uh, what everybody was saying, and she was just so kind, so caring. But at the end of one of the meals, she wanted to pray for us, and they didn't translate the prayer. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm trying to keep up with what's going on, and I can pick out words like the and and, you know, um, spirit, I got, I got that one, church, you know, like I was like, okay, I, th I think I know what she's talking about, but you could just feel so much love and so much grace just coming out of her. Uh, it's a privilege and an honor to work with folks like her and Marcelo who go into places like the town that we're going to build, dig that well, and say, what do you have? What skills do you have? How can we build on that? How can we teach that? And they're going to tell these people about the love of Jesus and redemption and hope while they do that and not only give them water, but skills that they can use to provide for their families. These are amazing people, amazing projects. I wanna tell you a little bit more too. Uh, you guys saw some of the footage from the event that happened this week where HISD was coming in. Uh, to give a little context, uh, there were over 1,200 people that came 
this week, this on, I think it was on Friday, and we're able to get a coat. And so many of you donated. So many went and bought coats and brought them up on Sunday afternoon or during the week. Thank you so much for, for participating in that. It was such a gift. Um, and the last thing you guys heard, Chris talked about uh, the debt um, that we're going to be able to pay off. This is an amazing organization. We're partnering with an organization called, uh, I think it's RIP Medical Debt. You can look it up. They put the, they've got the website up, I think. RIPMedicalDebt.org, yeah. Um, oh, it's behind me. Okay, I was like, it's, I think it's on the screen. I can see it back there. Um, yeah, this is an amazing organization. And so Chris mentioned in the video, we thought but whenever it was filmed, we were going to be paying off about $1.5 million worth of debt. The number is actually closer to $2.1 million of debt. And we got to that number because that's essentially the amount of debt that everyone in the 77007 zip code that's right around our downtown location, that's the amount of medical debt that that zip code has. And we didn't pay that much money. It's through this organization, you can basically give a gift of about $20,000 and it'll pay off all of that debt. And what's so beautiful and so amazing about that is those people don't feel any adverse effects of it. Right? It doesn't show up on their credit score. It doesn't do anything. And so when they go to buy houses or do other things in the future, just think of the benefit and the freedom this is going to give. And I love that idea that they're just going to get a letter in the mail that says your debt has been canceled. It has been eliminated, obliterated. It is gone. And the freedom that that brings. And it reminds me of a passage in Isaiah chapter 61. And you've probably heard this passage before because there's a story in Luke where Jesus is speaking and he, he's in the temple and he gets up to read a passage and he actually reads from this passage in Isaiah 61. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord, the Eternal, is on me. The Lord has appointed me for a special purpose. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Man, it like brings so much light hearing what we just heard. He has sent me to repair broken hearts and to declare to those who are held captive and bound in prison, be free from your imprisonment. He has sent me to announce the year of Jubilee, the season of the eternal's favor. For our enemies, it will be a day of God's wrath. For those who mourn, it will be a time of comfort. As for those who grieve over Zion, God has sent me to give them a beautiful crown in exchange for ashes to anoint them with gladness instead of sorrow, to wrap them in victory, joy, and praise instead of depression and sadness. People will call them magnificent, like great towering trees, standing for what is right. They stand to the glory of the eternal who planted them. And they will rebuild this place from its ancient ruins. They will restore the ages old, once splendid structures. They will renew Israel's ruined cities. And from the ashes of de and debris that laid untouched for many generations. And people will come from all over to serve you. Outsiders will tend to your flocks, plow your fields, and prune your vines. You will be known as the ones especially chosen by the eternal as priests. People will speak of you as ministers of our God. I just love that idea of being known as priests. There's something so beautiful and sacred about what the priest does. Now, if you're like me, uh, so often when I hear that term priest, I think of somebody who's 
uh, wearing black and has like a white collar. And it's funny, actually, one of the, the priests from next door at St. Francis came over because they canceled their 9 a.m. And he just, he just wanted to say Merry Christmas, right? What a great friend. We made some good neighbors. But often, if you're like me, I think of that kind of person who's got this office and they've got, they've got this certain thing that they wear. But the truth of the matter is, is that the priest is somebody who speaks blessings, who proclaims forgiveness, who offers hope and love. And if you're like me, I can think of times and places in my life where someone was a priest to me and they didn't fit that kind of bill. I can remember when I put in my two weeks notice at Apple where I was working before. And two days later, one of, one of the people came in and they just stopped me in the office and she just unloaded with gratitude and she spoke so much hope and spoke a blessing over me. And it was such a gift. But what you need to know is that uh, Tina is, she's just a big lady. I mean, she, if we got in a fight, she would beat me up. You just need to know that, right? Um, she loves trap music. It's not even rap music. It's trap music. And uh, you, when you look at her, she doesn't look like the typical, she doesn't have the collar. She doesn't look like a, a typical priest. But I'm telling you, in that moment, it was such a gift to me. She was a priest to me in that moment. And Ecclesia, what we're talking about is the ability of the chance to be priestly. And I love that idea that Chris is talking about, not just being priestly to people that we've never met, but to be priestly in this season when we're together with family and loved ones. What does it look like to speak blessings, to offer hope and grace and life? Those are the kind of people we want to be. You know, I've learned something about myself that I do really well. I function good when I've got a, a goal in mind or there's a scoreboard or there's an objective and you can set a goal and you can hit it. And it's good, but there's also times where that's just kind of dysfunctional, right? Like you can't put a scoreboard on everything. Um, and I think in seasons like this, it's easy for us to say, we have a goal of, we want to raise $2 million for Advent Conspiracy, or we want to do this, or we want to renovate that building, or we want to, here's the goal, we want to hit this. And I think for us, the more helpful gift or the more helpful goal is not a monetary value, but what if the goal was to say, hey, this year, 100% of us gave towards things like Advent Conspiracy, that 100% of us said, we're all in, we want to participate. I think that speaks to unity, that speaks to love that says, we are a community, we come together, and we're going to do something together that we could not do alone. So we're going to have a couple more chances. We're going to take an offering today at the end of the gathering. We'll do that again tomorrow. You can go online. But I think that's the challenge is for 100% all of us to say that we're going to love all this Advent. Will you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for your love for us. And as we hear stories of people who are having their debt leveled, we're reminded of the debt that we carry. And we're reminded of the fact that you stepped in and paid a debt that you didn't owe for us. That you gave your body and it was broken for us. And you gave your blood that was shed for us. And we ask that as we pause to remember and celebrate that gift, that we would feel your presence.
that we would know that you are with us. So God, bless this bread and this cup as we pause to remember and declare your death and your resurrection. And may it fill us and inspire us to go be priests this week and in the coming days, wherever you've placed us. And we ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.